Hello, you're listening to Rosie and Jessica's Day of Fun, episode 27, Wagons and Sponsors. It was unspeakably warm when we recorded this, so we apologise if you hear a fan going in the background, otherwise we would have just died. Enjoy! I'm Rosie. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to Rosie Rosie and Jessica's Day Day of Fun. Hello! Hello! So we are at Jessica's flat, and we've done uh, what every modern family is doing, just Skyping our parents so we can play only connected together, or against each other, depending on how you look at it. It was quite a tricky one this week, I didn't do that well. There were some questions, there was one question last week, which was outrageously difficult, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> great, great story. Yeah, great anecdote. Um, but then a couple of weeks ago, there were those people who thought Oswald Mosley was the youngest Mipha sister. No, that was last week. That was last week. No, that was weeks ago. No, it wasn't last week. It was the week before. I'm not having this argument. So I'm here. They're having a sleepover. Funsies. It's unspeakably warm as it has been for the past four days. It really is becoming unbearably hot. That was a Buster Blue style. Yeah. Juice boxes. Um, yeah. Um, Just, it's too warm. To is it possible to develop trench armpit? <laughs> yes. Because I think I'm. It's just. Oh, I got on the train to get here. Um. And I wasn't quite sure how long it would take me to get to the station from the mainline station. So I was a bit, oh, how am I going to, oh. And I was running down the platform and I got on and I was like, a seat, brilliant, next to the window, what more could I possibly want? I could have possibly wanted not to be crushed next to the window by a fat woman in a sports, uh, I don't know, a footlocker bag. And it was just so hot. And there was a point when I thought, I hope what I can smell is someone eating cheese, <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> If not, it's someone. me. <laughs> um, but it's been nice. I do like the sunshine. Rosie, as this has probably come up before, <laughs> like the first time we recorded <laughs> this, um, this has probably come up before in the podcast, but Rosie only likes weather if it's miserable and grey yeah. and drizzly. And you can be inside and stare into some fairy lights um, with duvet and a hot chocolate and a Fred and Ginger film. Oh my god, that is the perfect afternoon! <laughs> And so you're knitting try- and submitting. Yeah, you're trying to insult me, but I just think this sounds like I'm our insulting you, I'm just, you know. <laughs> Um, it does sound lovely, but occasionally I like to be able to see the sunshine. No. You want to get rickets, that's the <laughs> game. <laughs> I already have rickets, I wish I'd brought them. <laughs> um, yesterday I went to the park, having watched the tennis. Um, we were quite pleased it was straight sets, because if it had been five, we'd have missed the sunshine. Oh, I know. I mean, it was a long straight set. We went and sat in the sunshine afterwards. Well, there's only so much pressure you can take. The faster who, genuinely the faster who wins, the less you have to. So points where I was just sitting there and my heart was pounding. And I thought, I, I'm, what? I'm not doing anything. I'm doing less than anything because I'm sitting well, down. Before the tennis had even started, they announced, and it's, uh, it's in the 40s on, ten, on the centre court. It's approaching 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I felt unwell. They haven't even started playing yet. Yeah. I was sitting in my living room, like not even it having to horrible. do anything. Also, just as the match started... Um, Andy Murray, first, if, if he wins today, he'll be the first Britain to win Wimbledon, first British male to win Wimbledon whilst wearing shorts. Yeah. Stunning commentary. Thank you so much. For Amazing that. throwaway comment, literally, as the first serve happens and then they get sort of hushed as, as the umpire. I have to say, the best thing about the commentators was they did not speak for about 80% of the game. That's true, actually. They were very, there was very little talking. Yeah. It was very good. I like the way they kept going and sitting down, which was their towels for advice, but that I thought were the first were hot water bottles because I could see these sort of swollen bit nicely tied at the top and I thought it was Djokovic trying to psych him out by getting himself even hotter saying well this is this is nothing to me you're yeah. easily English summer I'm from Serbia which is exactly. real weather as if after the second save he'd go well I will up my game and he would set himself on fire and go fight me now Marlon fight me now but it was really good uh, I sat in luckily in a flat which is um, mostly glass wall so the walls that it's Two sets of French windows that slide out. So oh, see. Half the wall disappears. Oh, and then got a lovely funny. breeze going. And you went not like the, the greenhouse effect where you're just... No, <laughs> not. <laughs> um, no, luckily not. I watched some of it at work and, and um, there are windows on either side of the, of the room but they're kind of in a light well but the lights weren't on so it was you could see perfectly but it was it was cooler and, yeah, and darker than it usually is and the air conditioning was on. It was fab. Um, we came into the office this morning to an email that said um, it was lovely and cool when I came to the office today and that was very nice but perhaps we don't need to leave the aircon on all weekend <laughs> so if, oh wow but yeah so somebody if you are the last person out check the aircons off you don't have a fire marshal going around at the end making sure all the things are switched off clearly not or if, <laughs> if we do they're really quite incompetent um, I 
get the train home through sort of the London Bridge area. Mm-hmm. And they're going past all the offices in that sort of river bit. And all of them have got their lights on, the computers on, and you like it looks like people are there, but no one's there. See, but in like, my office, it's, it's half past ten. It's uh, five fifteen, and I'll look up, and suddenly I realise that about eighty percent of the people have just gone, and uh, it's like a ghost town. But why does nobody turn their computer or the lights off? Um, are they working in the city? Yeah, they're all. I think that answers the question. Well, it's not the city. The city, oh, just the city. Oh, right. It's not. It's not. I don't know. Cause we'll turn our office off. Um, it's not Canada Water. <laughs> just some offices in like Southwark. So on Monday I went to see the Spirit of Forty Five. How was that? It's really, really good. It's the most lefty propagandary bit film ever. It's just Ken Loach going. Things are pretty marvelous. After it's all about what happened with the Labour government and uh, what's his name? Not Anthony Newley. <laughs> what was he called? I don't know. You're the one that's the, the Prime film. Minister that came in after Churchill. Attlee, Clement Attlee. <laughs> Anthony Newley. Um, I think you have to go a long way to beat Clinton. I mean, it's brilliant, and they've got these bits, and it, and it just shows you all the marvellous things that happened after the war, and these subjects come up and it says, 1947, nationalisation of the rail, 1948, National Health Service comes in, people rejoice, and you see sort of babies being born, and uh, people throwing their hats in the air, and children getting inoculated, and laughing as the needle goes in. Uh, 1951, the mines uh, nationalised. The dockers who earn their rights. 1952, the, the best thing is ever ha- every child is given a golden pitchfork. And you, uh, they give you the internet. It's not been invented yet, but you get it anyway. 1952, <laughs> the Thames is made of chocolate for six months. And everyone's sort of running around celebrating. He goes, but uh, who would ever want to take this away? 1979, the Tory government led by Margaret Thatcher swift to power. And I was watching it. It was a uh, organised by some lefties in Lislington, after which some Labour politicians were going to speak. And when she appeared on, stage, on screen, it was honestly like a panto. And everyone sort of went, Numbers. And there's a bit where somebody... Yeah, oh, I've misunderstood. Who would do such a thing? And it cut to this clip of her waving in slow motion. And it made her look as if she was going, And it was, uh, it was, if you want to watch it, yeah, turn it off after an hour ten, because it's like, a lovely pixie land. Yeah, so stop it there. But it was great. It was lovely. Jessica. Yeah. We've been reading some books. We have been reading some books. I have been reading Charlotte Street by Danny Wallace. Charlotte Street? Yes, exactly. Um, it's his first novel. It's not one of his adventure stupid boy project books. Um, it's very good. There is a small element of um, Danny Wallace-style adventure throughout it. Mm-hmm. Um, the brief synopsis, such as you might find on the blurb on the back, um, is uh, main character helps a girl into a taxi on Charlotte Street because she's struggling with all her bags, so she rushes forward to help her. And then when she gets into the taxi and the taxi drives away, he realises that he's still holding the disposable camera that he had been in sort of the bundle that he'd held for her while she got into the cab. And his dilemma is then... Do I just say, oh, well, that was nice, I helped a nice girl into a taxi? Or she might want you love. Does he develop film and try and find her? As I said, it would be a very short book if he'd. Oh, put that in a bin, pamphlet, light read. <laughs> there, are, um, there are other things going on through the book, and you sort of realize he used to be a teacher, but he isn't now, and what led to that. And... I was going to say, how can you do that? How can you not realize you're holding a disposable camera? But sometimes I start panicking, rummaging my bag for my phone. And I'm holding my phone. Uh, constantly doing that. I read Dear Enemy. Yay! The sequel to uh, Daddy Long Legs. Long Legs by I mean, it's not as good. By um, quite some way. Published in 1915. Yeah, well, we, I mean... She Webster died in 1960. How old was she when she wrote the books? Uh, An age. Oh! Oh, no, 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 no. Like, she died in childbirth or something. It was 1916. She just... She died. So, oh... Or she had a fever or something, I don't know. Yeah, she, people, died, she died before her time. People are always getting rheumatoid fever or, you know, gunny spoon or whatever these weird diseases are. <laughs> Licky end. Um, I just am very annoyed at all men for not being Jervis Pendleton. And I think that's a completely valid complaint to make about the uh, monstrous regiment of men. Okay, I'm just going to put that way. Ironically, spoiler alert, the monstrous regiment turned out to be girls. So. Well, yeah, it's after that, that pamphlet. Actually, a pamphlet. First blast of the trumpet against the monstrous regiment of women. I just think somebody wrote around the time of Mary Wollstonecraft and he was like, they're all harridans. And everyone went, well, you've got a lovely title, but you've got a bit of rain after that, sir. So. 
Um, I, I've read a few other books as well. Um, I read one by Jenny Colgan, which is in a similar vein to the Immediately <laughs> Cupcake Cafe. But it's just all the so same. Sort of twee name and a baked item. It's actually um, called The Loveliest Chocolate Shop in Paris. Oh, holy <laughs> hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just like the bonniest donut <laughs> store in Slough. Uh, which one of us has read the uh, all the shopaholic books? Oh, I'd like to say not me. I've read the first two, and they are, as I say, <laughs> just uh, I can't swear. They are poo poo poor. <laughs> um, I've actually watched the film. Uh, it's really bad. The, now the film is kind of. Don't get me started. You can't feel any sympathy for her whatsoever. That's the but I problem. Suspect that it's it it works better than the books do. Yeah, the thing in the books. Also, it's over in an hour and a half. It's a quick thing, like ripping off a bandaid. Uh, the the problem with books like that is it's um it's people as I've said many times it's people who've read Pride and Prejudice think they're Elizabeth Bennet and don't realise that they're Lydia Bennet. And they think, yeah. God, I'm so awful, but all these men just fall in love with me. In the real world, not just men, all humans would have attempted to smother you. <laughs> just, 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 just gently there, smothering you in the corner of the office. Because if people go, I just got no money because um, I don't know why. I keep buying everything. Oh, whoopsie. And uh, I don't like the sensible person in the office, so I'm killing her plant with orange juice. That's a plot line for the first book. <sighs> but at least the ones you read have nice baking in and probably people are financially solvent. I don't want people who've got yes. problems. I just don't want people who are in, well, lunatics. In this, this one that had the problem it because there's always a slight problem at the beginning. <laughs> this one actually is slightly different from the previous one. She doesn't have a drippy boyfriend that she's got to get rid of. Yeah, so that's good. But what happens is um, she's involved in an, she works in a, a chocolate factory and she's involved in an industrial accident and she loses two toes. And while she's convalescing, and then she gets and then she gets MRSA. And while she's convalescing, <laughs> she, so meets, she meets her old French teacher in hospital who's dying of cancer. And she her old she's teacher, a roller coaster. And her old French teacher lived in Paris when she was a teenager, sort of an old pair, kind of between school and you know. Um, and um, so it's, oh, I knew someone who used to run a lovely chocolate shop. Why didn't you go there for a bit and work in that chocolate shop? So she does. And she turns up and the person says, what are you doing here? I run a chocolate shop. <laughs> I'm my French teacher. Who's your friend? That was 30 years ago. It was all set up. It was like oh, letters, letters were sent. Um, can I, quick question. Important toes or disposable toes? Um... Oh, he's never really ring and pinky. Okay. I assume ring and pinky of one of one foot. I mean, that is a big bit of chocolate, isn't it? <laughs> that is a sharpened toe. And I don't think it's like like toes right off. I think it's the end of the toes. But she has to have physiotherapy to because obviously your balance goes a bit. You have your, your pinky toes are very important because otherwise you lose your balance. Yeah, which is why you shouldn't cut your toes off to fit into smaller shoes. Yeah, Cinderella. It's not Cinderella that does that. Just you woefully misunderstood the crux of that story. Oh, yeah. That is about two well-dressed women and their grumpy sister who up. Yeah, like the karate kid. And yeah, so she feels bad when she's having a physiotherapy because there are all people in there who've been like horribly like uh, mutilated in car accidents and got legs missing, spinal injuries, like you know. And she's missing, missing missing a bit of two of her toes and has to do that hobbling along the parallel bars thing. I've wildly, wildly digressed. I'm also I've nearly finished a book called Various Pets Alive and Dead by Marina. Nuica, I think her name is pronounced. I am finally cracking Nuica? on with my book Nuica? about the aristocracy. Anyway, that's quite good. It's about people who used to live on the commune. Now I'm reading Capital by John Manchester. It's a state of the nation novel. It's fine, but I think every so often it's alright, and then things go wrong, and I think, oh, I don't want to happen to this character. Aww. Anyway, um, so I went and spent a lovely day on the South Bank with my godmother. Lovely. And I resisted. Uh, you may be familiar with the South Bank. There's a big table outside the BFI that sells all the second-hand books. I say a big table. It's a second-hand bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a cafe table that's on the Yeah, somebody's put a coffee table. It's like loads and loads of trestle tables. Yeah. And I have discovered that I find it quite difficult to leave behind any book about Peter Cook, any Garrison Keeler, including the one we already have two copies of at home. <laughs> Lake Wolf Gone Blues. Yeah, Lake Wolf Gone no, Lake Wolf Gone Days. Um, and uh, and also a hardback book of patterns, not knitting patterns, just <laughs> sewing patterns, to make your own Peter Rabbit toys. Of course you did. Do I care for Peter Rabbit? Not especially, but I really wanted the book. And the best thing was, someone pointed out, it's uh, published by Mills and Boone. <laughs> uh, wow. Cracking. Cracker-lacking. Um, then I went to see a very average exhibition at Somerset House. 
and went to the new film museum in Covent Garden, which what, I would describe as poor. What was the average? Um, it was fashion photography, uh, and some of it was quite. It was interesting, but it was all very similar. And there was a picture of Grace Kelly, and I really just dislike her. And so that's how I chose it. It was all a bit. Oh, I see. Running where? I'm going to link these two together, Jessica. These two points, and you are going to be running where? Wendy Davis. You just watch me go. <laughs> So, Wendy Davis uh, is a Texan senator who did a filibuster for 10 hours and 45 minutes against uh, restricted access to abortion. Um, She's great. I love a filibuster. Um, I'm annoyed at the... What I like most about filibuster is that the rule is, as I don't know if I've woefully misunderstood, you can talk for 10 minutes unless you want to go for longer. That's fine by us. Carry on. Um, Well, what it used to be is that you could basically just do whatever you like as demonstrated by the West Wing episode the Stackhouse filibuster and it used to be people would turn up Ruth Moby Dick could just have a chat see that's what there's an episode of Do You Sound Great filibusters and just talked about life in the Yukon um, they've changed the rules because filibusters um, although they're quite impressive if you're on their side if you're not they really hold up the democratic process well I mean after a while it's just it's just <laughs> taking the mic isn't it <laughs> yes um, but then after a while it's like a joke it starts being funny it becomes funny again because it's really miserable so now I'm going to step on all these rakes um, <laughs> Great. Um, there are now rules that you're not allowed to go to the loo, have any water, um, sit down, I mean, lean is, on anything, this is a or, civic right, or civil rights issue at some point. Yeah, or you're not allowed to deviate from the topics. So it used to be. Well, that's, go, that's just... Well, before I get to your point about uh, this taxation, I'd like to perform the works of Tom Lehrer. Well, I'd like to welcome the cast of the current Broadway <laughs> production of The Chorus Line. <laughs> One. Um... Exactly. Now you have to talk on the topic. So she did this massive filibuster and they say she broke, they had a three strike thing. And at one point, uh, one of her strikes was that she got a colleague to help her with a back brace that she had prepared. And That's then they amazing. said, they really said, well, we will get 15 minutes of voting in. And all the people they've got to support her in the balcony. So they started whooping and a hollering. And, and they just kind of thought, well, if we keep cheering, then we'll be able to vote. <laughs> so they just started shouting. And then there was a bit where somebody else went, what does a woman have to do to get her voice heard over a male colleague? And everyone was like, oh, she did it. Oh, no, she did And she did. And it was great. And everyone was like, this bill is terrible. Except for all the Republicans who quite like it. Um, only one arrest was made, and it was a uh, um, an older lady <laughs> just being removed who just looked like somebody I probably know. <laughs> it looked like she looked like someone's mum. Very good. Uh, obviously, just grinning about it as the officers like led her away. She's like, "Yes, I could." In a kind of Abby from um, Darmer and Greg sort of way, but less, oh, yeah. but less of a hippie. Um, now this happened overnight for us because obviously we are in uh, GMT. No, BST. BST. Yes. We're at zero. Everyone, Everyone else is yeah. all themselves It's out. quite nice. I mean, having an empire can be quite useful. Um, and so I woke up and went on Twitter. And, and Twitter I thought, was nothing but... What the hell? Every time this happens. Yeah, I do get all of my breaking news from Twitter. Yeah. By the way, the BBC needs me. Now, Wendy Davis prepared by wearing a pair of pink running shoes. Which on Amazon you can see a lot of funny uh, reviews of about how great they are for like smashing the patriarchy. And this weekend, and uh, Jessica, brace yourself for the segue. I'm braced. I've got a back brace on that I prepared earlier. Oh, oh, it's a double segue. It's a running stitch segue. Running where? I went and bought a lot of running gear in Sports Direct. No, you never do. So I'm doing a thing called Couch to 5K, just finished week I two. I might give it, give it a go. Oh, it's else really is. good. I bought an app for my phone. Um, so I've put loads of music on. Bell and Sebastian swings and roundabouts when it comes to running music. Isn't Kelly it? Clarkson's probably quite a good running thing. Jessica's got a lot of strange music. Found out that <laughs> strange as Rosie's, though. Oh, come on. There is nothing wrong with Nicki Minaj. Maybe listen to Nicki Minaj or something um, from a Samsung advert. Oh, that was good. Samsung would like to sponsor us. I'll just mention their name again. Samsung. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I bought three lengths of running shorts and three different t-shirts. So I had a a just past the uh, knee Capri pant, just above the knee Capri shorts. Are these a legging or are these, these are a, <laughs> these a are running, a running legging? No, 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 no. A running tight. A running tight. And then, and are they? My goodness. And then, um, what I would describe as footballer shorts of the eighties, which I had originally tried on in bright pink, but the running t-shirt I bought was bright pink, and I did look like a sin- my football Cindy, <laughs> like properly round the waist but quite short and shiny. Uh, round, elasticated, but then quite baggy, and with the sort of bit where they go up. The, there's like curve there. Like running shorts. Yeah, and then uh, so I bought those. All of these have a zip pocket across the derriere to keep the keys in. Yes. Um, and then I bought uh, a pink top, uh, a pink, uh, a black 
racerback and then a pink and black crop top from when I developed those Jessica Ennis abs we're all waiting for. Um, and uh, all different combos. Specifically that we're all waiting for Rosie. All different combos. Uh, all black and pink, except the... Because uh, there, there are a few... There's teeny tiny uh, medium selection of both and a bigger one. The medium... Uh, there were no black and pink, it was only black, so that's like my stealth ninja running there. Um, so then I went running before work today. Do you have one of those little bands that goes around your arm that you put your iPod in? Uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm that. You have one of those little mini Diddy Clippy iPods? Uh, no. I carry my phone because it has GPS and my app on it, and I put it in this big black plastic case that is actually broken, but I hold it quite oh, tight. Oh, good And no. I just hold it and... Is that not cumbersome though to hold it while you run? Not really. Do you have a bottle of water, one of those bottles of water with a hole in the middle? No, I'd really like one because. Well, you know you can probably get one. Sports Direct. Sports Direct would like to sponsor you. Seriously, Sports Direct. I bloody love Sports Direct. I go in and I think, don't even want to look smart. I'm going to wear loungewear. Nearly bought a tracksuit. Oh, good lord. Online afterwards, I was looking, I was like, a tracksuit? Quite smart actually. Because it wasn't like a velour tracky bum bums, tracky bum sun frontier. It was like an actual, like, you'd take it off and you'd be wearing like for You'd be running for, tra- you'd be like doing some track. Yeah, stars of track and field, Bell and Sebastian, back to the running. So that's what we've been doing. Ah, speaking of songs. Yeah. Will you finish? I really need a glass of water. Can you do your song while I get one? Um, my song this week, Rosie will be thrilled to hear, is because uh, I made her. I made her listen to it in the car earlier, and she wasn't that impressed. Um, it's Wagon Wheel by the Old Crow Medicine Show. And it's kind of bluegrassy, kind of Gillian Welch, Dave Rawlings style music. Um, except it's not music, because that's weird music. So yeah, that's my song. Check it out. I'm filibustering. I'm having to fill in. I've had to stand up and put my trousers. Have you uh, changed subject? No. Top fives! Top fives. Um, the top fives this week are our top five radio shows, a list which was compiled and written, um, oh, weeks ago, for an episode that... Pre-Christmas. We, yeah, okay, months ago. Um, for an episode that we ended up not recording because we... <laughs> was having a... We, we, got, we actually wrote the episode, then we didn't record it, then we recorded another one a week later, but we, <laughs> we, we changed it. Cause um, I can't remember why, but something, another of our lists tied in better to something we mentioned. I'd like to stress that when we say we write the episode, I do spend several hours scripting this. Obviously. Yeah. This is fully scripted. Thank you. That's Pause. how good our... Right, it's an uneven numbered week, so I'm going first. Number one. I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Well, you could have thought of one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, victory lap joke! I mean, that that joke has written itself, has been made before, but Rosie could not be prouder right now of what she's just done. Carol. Good. Um, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue is a, um, I hesitate to say spin-off. Is the natural natural follow-on from... I'm sorry, I'll read that again. I just feel they're not linked in any way. Well, it was... Have you never listened to the intro on the 40th anniversary edition CD? Read, read by David Hatch. He's dead. Uh, <laughs> God, this is jolly, isn't it? It's the antidote to panel games. <laughs> um, basically, it... Up until he died two years ago. Humphrey Littleton. He's dead. Um, oh, more than two years ago. About five years five ago. Years, yeah, it was a while ago. Um, yeah, it's the antidote to panel games. So it's a radio panel show... Um, and it's most of the cast of... Oh, originally, it was a, a lot of the cast of I'm Sorry, Read That Again, which was a sketch show. Um, but they couldn't be bothered to write the script anymore. And they had this idea for a new panel show. Much like this radio show. Much like this radio show. Um, so it's basically it's uh, people being given silly things to do. Like singing one song to the tune of another, which will be invariably given a very, very complicated way of explaining it, despite the fact that it is literally one song to the tune of another. Um, Cheddar Gorge, which is where you have to tell a story or write a letter doing one word at a turn. Um, there <laughs> is a pick-up song, which is where you start singing a song and, uh, along with a track. The track then fades down to nothing, you have to keep singing, and when the track fades up, you have to see if you're still in time. Sound charades. Yes, that's, that's a radio sketch version of charades. Uh, Mornington Crescent is which probably... Hooray! It's the most famous game of it. Um, has no rules, but is played as if it does have very complicated... The rules of Mornington Crescent are you keep naming tube stations until someone says Mornington Crescent. <laughs> you can name anyone you like. Um, and just, if you fancy saying Mornington Crescent, say it. That's basically it. I was spoiled as alert. We've just... Obviously, at no point do they ever acknowledge this, and there is a, they've published a book of all the rules. <laughs> and you can say... Oh, I see he's doing the uh, Duke of Wellington's Gambit there. Yeah. There you go. Oxford Circus. Pimlico. And then, you know, they'll say, oh, risky. 
Um, instantly, I love True American. Yeah! Go! <laughs> JFK, pick your intern! <laughs> um, I was trying to think of what rules we could play for, because uh, you, have, you have different, different versions of rules. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just thought Clinton rules. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's very good. It's very funny. They have a, um, a fictional... Sorry, she's not fictional, she just doesn't speak of um, a scorekeeper called Samantha. And, uh, Unless she can't be there, in which case Sven does it. And uh, every week the postbag bulges with literally one letter from Mrs. Trellis. <laughs> and Mrs. Trellis of North Wales. <laughs> who always addresses, who, who's always addressing a letter to the wrong game show host. Yeah. Um, Dear Mr. Parsons. They managed to stretch that out over 40 years, though. Office news. Still yeah. funny. Um, yeah. It's good. It's excellent. It's classic. Jessica, you don't always listen to it while you're driving because you might have to pull the car over before you crash into the uh, central <laughs> reservation. <laughs> uh, next, news quiz. <laughs> I should point out these, these are in a particular order. <laughs> so I forgot to say it a minute ago. Um, the news quiz is, uh, all, I think it's on its 89th series or something ridiculous like that. It's another long runner. Um, it's currently presented by Sandy Toxwig. Um they're currently like they chop and change every few th- series she's been doing it for a good five five six years it's a uh, topical quiz show it's a topical quiz show um, along the same vein as um, have I got news for you in fact it is the predecessor to have I got news for you which but is it's a lot better it's a lot better actually um, the people they have on are actually funny and they don't tend to have sort of stunt people on yeah. they've got a smaller roster um, and they have the, the teams rotate fully each week they don't have a captain although Jeremy Hardy is on pretty much every week now yep um, fine by me yep um, uh, the news is very funny it is um, quite gentle it's quite gentle but also quite biting and it has it's, I, it was actually mentioned as a podcast recommendation we did it age, ages and ages ago I seem to remember and you can download it as a podcast number three in no particular <laughs> um, round the horn which is a sketch comedy show from the 60s, late 50s, 60s, um, starring Kenneth Horne, Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, and, you Bill, to and Bill Petrick. Uh, with the, and the, it's a, the announcer is um, Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams. <laughs> Douglas Smith. <laughs> I was going to say Douglas Hume, so wrong on all <laughs> And the, the announcer is Douglas Smith. <laughs> uh, and it's very funny and they have um, characters that turn up every week like uh, the film characters who are David Celia Moll Strangler and the aging juvenile Binky Huckaback <laughs> who always go for this kind of grand gone with the wind style sort of set up and then at the end there's a punchline like he's the conductor on the bus or she's like the cigarette girl in the club or something. what you have to remember is most comedy hasn't happened at this point. Uh, there's Julian. Ju- the, best, the best characters are Julian and Sandy, who are the incredibly camp couple who have a different business. They started off as resting actors um, who had a different business every week because they weren't acting. But by the end of it, they just the acting thing had been kind of put to the side and they just had a different business every week. Well, I'm Julian, my friend and Sandy. How about Javadi and Oli again? And they speak Polari, which is kind of the old theatrical language. Um... So, Bona is good. Uh, no, yeah. uh, Dolly is pretty, is nice or pretty. Um, Eek is face. Raya is hair. Troll is troll is walk. And I see to come trolling in here. Um, <laughs> Barry Elder. Harris tweed suit. And uh, yeah, and the, the good thing about Around the Horn is they could um, get away with jokes that would um, be understood by the people who understood them. And they would go over the heads of everyone else, i.e. the people who were likely to complain about them. And when people did complain, they could say, well, we didn't say we that. Didn't, we didn't you, mean that's what you think. That's in your head. You I feel don't know what you've inferred. <laughs> uh, uh, it's filthy from start to finish. Do we listen to it? We have to have a it can be podcast. Emily said Rambo today was an absolute hound. <laughs> but at the same time, it's very... Because he very says nudges. <laughs> he says nudges every week. Oh. I don't know what you think that might be, but um, it was a little badger. Yeah. Um, but it can be broadcast at 6.30 uh, in, in the evening. On a digital channel. While people are having their tea. Um, Jessica. <laughs> now, prepare yourself for the next one, because I'm going to start laughing already. <laughs> for the blue blues. <laughs> Number four. In no particular order. That's what I'm saying. Now I'm going to have to be. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Please don't get hiccups again. I'll try really hard. It's Noble Goes Global. 
Noble Goes Global was my introduction to comedy. I I think that was the first, not the first time I'd ever watched anything that made me laugh and highly cried. But I remember well, listening. Well, for a start, we didn't watch it because it's on the radio. I remember listening to it and just I could have it on the computer because you can. It's actually still available. For reason, there's obviously an old BBC comedy page that they've archived and forgotten about. And it's just all on there to stream so on like a uh, real media. What is it called? Real, uh, yeah, real player. Real player. I mean, this is the kind of technology. It's uh, what? How old is it? At least ten years. Twelve yeah, years old. Yeah, about twelve years old now. Um, and <laughs> it's <laughs> the premise is Ross Noble goes to a different ta- uh, a different country, country, does a stand-up show. You hear bits of the show and also bits of him going around the, yeah. the city. We he's in. we must have mentioned this on the program. Um, it's before. One of the single funniest things I've ever heard. And I I remember listening to it and sitting sideways on a chair and having to hold onto the back of the chair (laughs) in case I fell off it. I was laughing. You know when you laugh so hard you can't breathe? Yeah. Like when we went to see, although perhaps not as as quite to this stage because that was ridiculous, when we went to see Dickens Unplugged and I thought I was going to die. Yeah. I thought I was going to pitch head first over the balcony into the stall. <laughs> because I couldn't breathe. I was going to have some sort of seizure. When Ross Noble was on Room 101 and he put in <laughs> he put in animals dressed in clothes and they show a clip of loads of dogs dressed up. Now, I'm not... And I was about 12. It's animal cruelty. As a vegan, I can't possibly condone this, but it's hilarious. I genuinely... I fell off a sofa and was sort of just... I can't even work out how I was managed to sustain the angle I was lying at just through his history. And I genuinely couldn't breathe. And this was before the dog comes on dressed as a nun, pushing a pram with a chihuahua dressed as a baby in it. And I just it's a dog lost the other thing is <laughs> it's not just dogs in clothes, it's dogs walking on their hind legs. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's the best thing. And there's sort of like a, there's dog. a dog that opens walks <laughs> open to garden gates. Turns around and closes the garden gate behind him. He's wearing tweeds and a little deerstalker hat. It's uh, so stupid. That that I think that's on YouTube. It's honestly asking what, what have we seen this week? It's absolutely one of the. I mean, it's outrageously stupid. Anyway, now oh. goes global. Belgium, brilliant. When Rosie and I went to Belgium last year, year before, yeah. we did the um, the Ross Noble uh, tour of Brussels, which involved going around seeing all the things that he'd seen, by and large. Um, we didn't do all of them. I've still ne- not been to the Magritte Museum. <laughs> I've never lost my mind in Robert Lay's shop. <laughs> we, had, we didn't lose our mind in Yeah, they eat too many waffles. Um, he didn't actually do that. He thought he might. Um, but the year before, I'd actually, without telling my friend Nicola, <laughs> done this already. I just said, what, what should we go and see? Well, I think we should go here. And I just kind Tintin of... Museum. Oh, I, oh, no, we went to the Tintin shop. Yep. Um, and um, um, you got so to find a suit made of the Prince of the Bay tapestry. But I realised I could just the explaining would be too much. Yeah, I did find the lady's hat, bag, and jacket of the uh, with the Prince of the Bay tapestry. <laughs> oh, good lord! Uh, so go on, we'll put the link up because <laughs> we will do show notes. We're totally going to do show notes and go and listen to it because it's hilarious. Uh, and lastly, number five, albeit in a particular order. I've lost the will <laughs> to carry on. A Prairie Home Companion, which is Garrison Keeler and. Um, a Prairie Home Companion is a an American magazine show. Would you mm. say mm. it's got sketches? It's got musical guests each week. It has other uh, like other kinds of like acting guests to appear in sketches. Yeah, and it has each week the feature um, uh, Lake Wobegon tales from Lake Wobegon. No, the news from Lake Wobegon. The news from Lake Wobegon. Thank you. What's wrong with you? So it's always introduced with. Oh, it's been a quiet week in Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, my hometown, right on the edge of the prairie. Um, and it's about this fictional town called Lake Where the women are strong, the men are good looking, and the children are above average. Do you know that's a trope? Web, uh, Lake Wobegon uh, average, or the Lake Wobegon average, or the Lake Wobegon children or something. Oh. Because if all of the children are above average, then they can't be, but it must be on a national scale, yeah, obviously. Well, yeah, because when I heard that, it's like, well, that's national, yeah. Well, they're, they're above everyone else's average. What? Okay, Karen. Anyway, uh, it's very funny, and it's just about the... the the mundanities of these people's lives. Uh, they're all um, Lutherans. They're all and there are a lot of Norwegian bachelor farmers. <laughs> so they all came in from, from Norway. They eat a lot of Ludafisk and... Um, Peppermint schnapps, what do you think? Actually, some, no, some of them are Catholics. Oh, yeah, and there's a really good... Some of the stories come round again, and there's one where the, the Catholics uh, become in charge of the Lutheran... Uh, yeah, graveyard. for reasons I can't quite remember, the Catholics end up owning the, the Lutheran cemetery, so they just to annoy them, because they're all friends, but just to sort of um, irritate them good-naturedly, they go around putting um, Virgin Mary statues <laughs> on all the tombstones and splashing holy water about. Um, uh, there's a bit with a load of um, uh, Lutheran... 
uh, pastors who, who go onto a pontoon boat and it sinks. That's a, that's a well-known story because that becomes a novel. And then somebody tries to uh, fill the bowling ball with ashes of their dead uncle or something and drop them in the lake. There's a famous incident in which he throws a tomato at his sister. He th- yes, he throws a rot- finds a rotten tomato in the, in the garden. So he th- they, They're kind of told as if Garrison Keillor is sort of the protagonist. Um, so he'll tell. Although he he at least grew up in this town, and it's yeah. the people he knows. In fact, so in some of the books, he appears as Gary Keeler, who they all went to school with, and then went off and wrote books about them. Yeah. They're all a bit wary. Um, and he throws a rotten tomato at his sister. It's terrific. I feel like I'm not I'm not selling this enough. It's kind of it's both hysterically funny. It's sometimes quite poignant. Are there only about thirteen episodes, thirteen and, minutes long a week? And also they're just incredibly gentle. You can download a pro- at the um, at the news from Lake Wobegon as a podcast in its own right. Oh, I recommend you do. I do. Is it my turn? Yes. Okay. In at one particular order. I'm uh, looking at your list yesterday. <laughs> yeah. The Russell and John radio show. Vintage years. Scooby Dab. <laughs> Two thousand and five or no, two thousand six, seven to two thousand and nine. Uh, this is the Sunday morning show, um, which Russell Brand used to do, and then it got taken up by Russ Howard and John Richardson. And John was originally there as Russell's mate, and then became sort of co-presenter. They became co-presenter, and then Russell left, and it was John's. Yeah. And they started doing a podcast, and I sort of listened to it a bit before, and I got really, really into the podcast. I think it must be 2007 because it's just the funniest thing and also because I was a teenager and it was like a big passion of mine and they had all these segments called I, Am I Normal where people say all the weird things they do and the one of the Christmas episodes has become a Christmas tradition uh, I've th- probably it, mentioned it in um, Operation, Operation get, get Festive what is it again there's a bit where John in Russell they're always doing impressions of each other Oh, it's just terrifically funny. That, yeah, so my impression of Russell Howard is my impression of John Richardson. Here! My impression of Russell Howard and vice versa. What is love? So that was great. Uh, still listen to that. The 99p challenge. The 99p challenge. Um, yes. You'll note a heavy BBC <laughs> bent in yeah. all of this. In fact, of, uh, of the top ten that we've created, one item does not uh, get broadcast on the BBC because it's from the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Yeah, it's on CBS. Uh, so the Night Time P Challenge is a quiz show, 2001-2005. Um, but the BBC have, have broadcast it previously, which is how we found it. Oh, okay, so it is all BBC. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what you get. Awkward. Um, it's that kind of show, people. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't worked that out by now, I don't know what you're doing. Oh, these thing. people, do you think quite like the BBC? The Night Time P Challenge is a ridiculous quiz show, panel show. It has, it has similar elements to, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue... But it's more, more frenetic and dark. surreal and yeah. It's hosted, well, originally it was called King Stupid and that's a bit rough. And then they have the second series where it became the Nice Nine P Challenge and Sue Perkins host it. And people who are on it, are people like Simon it's Pegg, just, it's just like younger, hipper, fresher. They do not, not rounds in a derogatory sense. It's a bit more improv. They do a lot of things with music, so they'll play instrumentals and people will make up songs. Number three, I feel like I've not sold the Nice Nine P Challenge. It's just really funny. Uh, oh, and you get points, and you get points in terms of P, and then the person who has the most pennies at the end gets to pay and gamble for 99p for the joke is this, no prize. Uh, number it's three. Even if they have more than 99 Yeah, there's one where they have £1.27 who's made to gamble for 99p. Um, the food programme. Lovely, gentle Sheila Dillon. Uh, Sunday lunchtime. It's a half-hour programme about food. And I remember once that a lot of people in my Facebook feed were saying, why on earth is a radio talking about yeast? Which reveals just how many of them listen to Radio 4 <laughs> on a whim. And because there was a half-hour programme about yeast on the food programme. Oh, it was very interesting. It was really interesting. And so they'll do things like, uh, maybe they'll do uh, a food writer or a cook. Or this week, recently they've had a, a whole programme about butter. I haven't listened to that one yet. I haven't listened to the butter one. All the ones that followed it was like hoverish. The last one I listened to wild was, was a food game changers. But they do... Yeah, they do some about sort of specific food stuffs, some about people. Um, this they is did. about people who have um, changed their, like, left their job to go into food. Yeah. It's just so. It's really recently about a guy who, who went to grow cocoa in the Caribbean. Yeah, somewhere. The Vinyl Cafe is the Canadian equivalent of a Prairie Home, home companion. companion. So, in that, uh, Stuart McLean goes around, he does 
tours and he'll do a little bit about the city that he's in. So it's a bit like Ross Noble goes global. Yes. They do the Vinyl Cafe Story Exchange where people send in stories and he reads them out. They have live music. Yeah, musical guest each week. And then he does uh, one of his stories, which is the equivalent of his news from Lake Wobegon, which is a David Morley story about uh, Dave, who runs a uh, record shop called the Vinyl Cafe, his wife Morley, uh, their children Sam and Stephanie. Stephanie, and their various pets. And they have the dog who is called Arthur. Yeah. But it does, it does change, actually, because he does seem to run in chronological order. Like, Stephanie's about to graduate from college but I, when I first started listening listen to it she was sort of a teenager but sometimes he'll read old stories yeah yeah it's great and Dave has a tendency to get into really stupid acts, uh, stupid situations it's the kind of cringeworthy way that usually I don't like but they, but they are so funny there's one where he climbs up on the roof to put out the Christmas lights and for reasons that no one's aware of thinks I wonder what would happen if I licked the TV aerial so he, obviously his tongue gets stuck to it and um, he's stuck up there for about 15 minutes. <laughs> Obviously, before, the... Before he, he realises that he can use one of the, the, the a bulb from the Christmas light, which are wrong, to sort of warm his tongue loose. The best Vital <laughs> Cafe thing is the Christmas story, and people get very upset when Stuart McLean says he's not going to do this story this year, so he has to do it every Christmas, called Dave Cooks the Turkey. <laughs> oh no, there's a time between Dave Cooks the Turkey in which Dave tries to cook Christmas dinner. I'm saying odd jobs. And then there's odd jobs, which starts with uh, somebody saying... It'd be easier if we could plug in the toaster at the kitchen table and make toast there. So we didn't have to get up every time we wanted a piece of toast. And uh, it just escalates into... At the end, by the end of it, they're having their house remodelled. Um, <laughs> Mostly because Dave decides that he will do it himself. And this was the poorest choice anyone has ever made. And um, my final top five choice um, is another BBC Six Music. Uh, although previously they were on XFM, and that's Adam and Joe, who I got into very late during their last ru- uh, run on BBC Six Music. Um, they are unbelievably funny and there are lots of clips of them online that you can listen to and um, they brought us such beauties as uh, Taffin uh, which is um, Piers Brosnan doing some incredible acting and the best thing they have is um, it's not skin, is it? no that's just one episode although I do find that incredibly funny uh, where they do a retelling of Rumpelstiltskin with a little little nemi man voice um, the best thing they brought to the entire nation is Stephen which is they were doing this joke about uh, superheroes and imagine if you were a superhero called Stephen and they would just be like Stephen? Yes? Need some help? I'm just coming! And then this became a weird thing that took off at gigs and obviously there was a, a mindset amongst the youth and you'd hear someone shout Stephen! And about 20 people would go Just coming! And so uh, that's fun to do in a crowded place Shout Stephen See if anyone shouts I'm just coming! Honourable mentions the Now Show. The Now Show runs in uh, rotation with the news quiz. It does. It's a topical sketch. Yeah-ish. With songs from Rich Ben. Uh, Roundup of the week's news. They have guests. Uh, they have a short man called John Holmes. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, presented by Punt and Dallas. All the Planets Wonders, shown in detail by Josie Long. This is a brilliant... Uh, it's just so four, gentle and lovely, but hilarious. Four fifteen minutes. And also informative. Yes, it's based on one of her Edinburgh shows from like 2009, I think, 2008, 9. Um, and uh, yeah, she turned it into a 15 minute episode. Genuinely, really informative. The whole thing is basically about knowledge and bettering yourself in a way. Not really. What well, knowledge, yeah. Knowledge. Mm. And uh, the first one opens with the most brilliant piano bit, which is Night by Someone Callahan. You had it as one of your songs. I did. A few weeks, a few episodes ago. <laughs> like a year ago. Like years ago. Um, yeah, that's lovely. They repeat it every so often. Definitely check that out. The Reduce Shakespeare Company radio show. Yep. I think um, it's just the Reduce Shakespeare radio show. Obviously, that's now turned into their excellent podcast, which uh, we may have mentioned we were on. Um, I think we can officially call them Friends of the Show. Friends of the Show. The Reduce Shakespeare Company. Um, and they we discovered that about the same time as Ross Noble Goes Global. And it's a six-part show um, doing the, basically their Reduce Shakespeare show. In different ways. Broken up and with a, with a few extra bits in and... So funny. Very, very funny. That I listened to that at the same time, uh, not conc- like one speaker in one, <laughs> but in the same era as listening to Noble Goes Global and again having to sort of hold on to the back of the chair so it didn't fall off. Um, composer of the Week. Oh, that's lovely. That is soothing. <laughs> uh, if Sunday morning, if uh, the early music show hasn't come on yet, I won't take that as a favourite because I don't listen to it regularly enough, but you can listen to Composer of the Week. Uh, and uh, that's they do... Uh, 
an hour program, Monday to Friday, each week, of a composer and their, their tunes. And then they edit it down. It's lovely. Good. Uh, this is a proper vintage. Oh, my God. Vintage. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Henry Kelly on Classic FM when I was nine. I'm pretty sure we got into, we got, he read me out a birthday shout-out one year. Uh, lovely Irishman doing popular classical hits. Jessica, sorry. Pete and Jeff on what was Virgin Radio. On what was Virgin Radio is now Absolute. Uh, and their producer, Annabelle. They're just, they're very entertaining. I can't remember except for Annabelle's song. Every week on a Friday morning, Annabelle would sing a song which was kind of the week's news. Yeah. And, uh, and it's we're like, all having fish for our tea. What does it mean when the pubs are all packed at 5.30? What does it mean when top of the pubs is on, on the telly? Weekend to really here. here. Um, sing along. Now that dates it because top of the pubs has not been on the telly for many years now. No. And, it, and it moved back to back to a Thursday. Yeah. And uh, lastly, another breakfast show thing which was from a couple of years ago. Last year, I think it finished. Mm. Um, Danny Wallace on XFM. Partly because it's Danny Wallace and he's brilliant. And partly because it has the best radio jingle ever. And I can't think of a lead up to it. But the it was basically breakfast XFM. It's Danny, Danny with specs on, on XFM. It's Danny! Um, did we do How to Start Your Own Country on our non-fiction television? I don't think we did, but we, I remembered it as we were writing this list earlier. We and can't possibly that we talk about this now this episode is so long. Omitted it. Um, so fiction television Danny Wallace tried to start his own country from his flat it was brilliant oh my god Wikipedia it Rosie what's your song Icona Pop I love it it's number one at the moment or it was last week she made me listen to it earlier oh my god curmudgeon over here doesn't like any popular music and I realised that I then played Nicki Minaj to annoy her but can I get that boom boom Icona Pop is on the Sang Sang outfit and I'm told is uh, in a season two of Girls. If Samsung would like to sponsor us, it might not even be Samsung. <laughs> who does? It's who does? Not now. Who does the phones? Uh, yeah, you know those people. Trim. What? A trim telephone. Okay. Lovely. Make a light. Make a light. Um. Oh, it's great. It's good shouty summer pop. You just. To be fair, Jessica, some of the music you played me, your the song you picked is called The Wagon. <laughs> Which is a disappointing biscuit. <laughs> I used to really like wagon wheels. Yeah, oh, let's not even go into it. <laughs> but then they started tasting like soap. <laughs> they do taste like sort of cardboard soap. Like, uniformly, I thought it just didn't be had an off one, but then nope. from that moment on, it always tasted like soap. I couldn't taste it any longer. Snack of the day. Pop-tarts. Needle and fed. Needle and fed. Jessica, why pop-tarts? Because I made some pop-tarts today. I'm so excited to eat them. We have to put some icing on them. I'm going to ice them. And I've even got exciting sprinkly things. But like, holy like, God. Stop um, recording. Don't stop talking. Sugar. I want to get to the pop-tarts. Um, I made some pop Yes, because I can't eat real pop-tarts. Um, if Kellogg's would like to sponsor us and maybe make some vegan pop-tarts, that would be great. Um, um, yeah, so anyway, I can't eat real pop-tarts. Not, not just not vegan, not even oh vegetarian. They're meaty. Beefy. They're meaty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Meaty breakfast Have you treats. not had a brisket pop-tart? <laughs> Uh, no, I prefer the filthy fish ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Norwegian batch of the farm. <laughs> so Jessica's made some Pop-Tarts, which if this recording ever ends, you might get to eat. I'm going to take a picture of them and place them on the website. Um, so a tweet. at my work, we've just started a meeting call. Yeah, you never have. And I went to the, uh, well, it was the second meeting, it was the first meeting I went to last week, and it was brilliant. And loads of people in my office who don't knit have started knitting. I haven't done much knitting recently because I don't know if you've, we've mentioned it's incredibly hot outside. Really? And if you look at wool, your skin melts off. Um, so also I meant to bring some today and left it in my desk. But I cracking on with the jumper. Did a few uh, last week in front of Only Connect. Did a few more bits of McCardington. I've got to do counting now, and that's complicated. Oh, no. But no, it's it's chugging along. I want to get back into my knitting and my crocheting. Um, one of the other girls at work is, is doing lots of knitting at the moment, mm-hmm. so it kind of reminds me that I need to get back into it and uh, finish that crocheted quilt. I got it out of the bag yesterday. Have you put the edging on the quilt? I've started. Oh my god! Yes, I got it out of the bag yesterday and thought this the pattern on this crochet is really cool. I need to finish this because how amazeballs will it look when it's done? Really amazeballs, that's how much. What, what have, have we seen this week? What have we seen, seen this week? Hey! BuzzFeed had a list of 40 things to take camping. It's actually 41. I apologise. Things like make a loaf of bread in a tin can. Yeah, that was um, good. There was also a list I didn't send you, it was more commercial, of weird things you can buy. Like uh, things you can put on the back of your truck, which creates a toilet like... seat. Oh, they had one of those on Top Gear when they did the Arctic Challenge. Okay. Um, so that you can have a have a sit-down visit <laughs> without feeling conspicuous. <laughs> also... Can I think of more conspicuous than uh, having a sit-down visit on the, the back of a car? 
Oh, sorry, off the back of a car? No, not in the back of the car. Or on it. Bolted. It's, it's bolted, you bolt them to the back of the truck. And Hor- it's not, like, then surely you would like, the little... But no, anyway, we've diverged horribly. <laughs> um, I did like the um, hammock seats that you could get to mm. that in the same vein. You bolt them to the back. I mean, you kind of much more pleasant. Yeah, sort of like, I, I think they're kind of like the, those things you put in the back to put the bikes on. Yeah. Um, they look jolly good. Um, Tic Tac boxes to put your herbs and spices in. Uh, we don't get them in England, but Crescent Rolls, which are a sponsor, um, <laughs> a Prairie Yoga Pioneer. Beth makes a Crescent Roll, would like to sponsor us. And you kind of true. you unwind them and uh, wrap them around a sort of two prong twig like um, Dennis the Menace would use as a slingshot. Or if you're um, trying to do that, I think, what is a fluffy moxing cotton tail on there? <laughs> Divining. Yeah, I was going to say trepanning, that's very different. <laughs> uh, that would be a very different episode of Watch with Mother that involved trepanning. <laughs> What's that, anti-panty? Nobody who's drawn a hole in her head. Um, that's very naughty of you, Teddy. And <laughs> second, um, what have we seen this week? What have we seen this week? Right. Is leading on from Wagon Wheel by Old Crow Medicine Show. Wagon Wheel or Toosie, which features in seminal film classic. <laughs> and uh, and, and Dave show favourite burlesque. Oh, it's apparently, it's an in- I, I thought it was like a proper number. No, it's invented. It's just random words that share shouted. Sorry, up. <laughs> Share if somebody has edited because someone's got far too much time on their hands. Someone who might want to edit this episode. I'm not sure. <laughs> a clip of uh, which is basically an extended gif of uh, Cher saying, "Why can we all with Tuzi?" And it lasts ten minutes. Why can we all with Tuzi? Why can we all with Tuzi? <laughs> if I could turn back time. Rosie and I both just did the um, imaginary hair of the shoulder toss, tongue sticking out, a la Jack McFarland. Please let this end. Anyway, we'll see you soon, and um, I hope you enjoy us. It may be your last. (laughs) (sighs) To find out more and to look at our show notes, you can visit our website at rosieandjessica.co.uk. You can email us at sayhellotorosieandjessica at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, The Day of Fun Show. You can listen to our shows on Mixcloud, or you can download us from iTunes. See you soon! This is the worst. <laughs> I'm, if you edit this episode, I'm going to go do it then. Because you don't do a thorough edit. You leave in bits that make me sound like a right flunker <laughs> all the time. This is why I'm meant to edit it. Because like, if you listen to this back, I am never going to find a husband if anyone ever listens to this podcast. Oh, it's like, not... oh what's Rosie like? And I'm just going to be going, <laughs> ow, I love Nicki Minaj. Ow. And I'll go, oh. That's about the ninth time that accent's turned up on this, that voice has turned up on this episode.